And the same thing with Charlotte, bugs and worms and all that. We just encourage them to have fun with it. I mean, touch the fish that we're fishing. I mean, if they're they're a little creeped out, but that's fine. We don't treat them specifically different either. We recognize the differences, but we're not going to be like, oh, you're a girl. You shouldn't be doing that. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Oh, we have a great podcast this morning and a bit different from previous podcasts because we get to hear a different perspective. Michael Kilpatrick is a dad. I talked to someone who knows him well who recommended him because she said he is such a good parent. Michael Kilpatrick is a farmer, a podcast host, and inventor who helps farmers and others apply business principles and practical proven solutions to grow their businesses and simplify their lives. He runs farmer training programs and he owns and operates the Farm on Central in Ohio. Besides growing farmers and their businesses, he incorporates his faith in his daily life and being a good dad to his growing family is a priority as well. Michael shares his thoughts and experiences in parenting this morning. I really enjoyed talking to him because he was so transparent and he had some very interesting thoughts. So let's jump in and listen now. So we are here this morning with Michael Kilpatrick and I've told you a little bit about Michael but I would love for him to share a little bit about his family. Would you be willing to do that Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my wife and I got married in 2013. We interned at the same farm in Virginia. Uh, both of us did when we were about 25. Then we got married about a year and a half after that, moved back to New York where we had a, a business, a farm business up there. We welcomed our first daughter, Charlotte. And then in 2015, we ended up shutting down the business in New York and moving to Ohio to be nearer to her family. Simon was born, he's five. So he was born 2016. And then we have a third daughter, baby Kate. She's a little bit over a year, like 14, 15 months now. So the fun. family. Yeah, Absolutely. so much fun. And I love the farming. You are the sustenance of our country. And we just so appreciate that. So you have three kids. Two girls and a boy. So okay. Charlotte's seven, Simon's five, and okay. Kate's one, one and a half, somewhere wow. there. Wow. You are a busy guy between your business and your family. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a yeah. lot of work. So I have been following you on social media and I have seen some things that you have posted. And I just thought that you would be perfect for Adventure Parenting with Grace. So that's why I asked you to come on. And let's just start with maybe your dreams, goals, etc. for your kids when they grow up. They're little now, but do you ever envision what they might be like as adults? Yeah. A lot of the times we get caught up in two two worlds, either the the aspect of the present of like what's going on right now, or I think sometimes we think about the long-term future, like, well, you know, when this happens, then we'll be X. And I think both the places are great to be, but the, the Bible says if there's no vision, the people perish. And I think what that means too, for just being with your family is that if you don't have the long-term goals of where you want to end up, you won't have the directions to get there. You'll just end up in the middle of an ocean, you know, becalmed. And mm -hmm. so with us, you know, we, I was raised, I was homeschooled, large family, very conservative. And my parents, I think did have goals. I don't know if they ever like had stated goals for us. Um, they kind of let us choose our own adventure as it were, as we were growing up with like college and all of that. And I think most of us turned out 
All right. But I think for our kids, there's a couple of things that we're really focused on. One, I think it's so important that they understand that faith. And again, we're obviously not going to push them in a shoebox, control their destiny, force them to do certain things. We're going to guide them. We're going to share, you know, obviously the gospel. And my wife does devotions with them when they're doing school every day. They start off by, you know, reading the Bible and that. But I think that's the most important part is they understand that aspect and they have the opportunity. So that's important for us. So I grew up where we were forced to do like daily devotions as a family, which would take up to an hour. And yeah. so later in life, that kind of really triggers me just because it, it, it almost because it was so forced and so monotonous that it almost became hard for me to read the Bible in some aspects, mm. um, which is really unfortunate. So, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously something I'm working on and with that, but it's just, it's interesting when you look at your back at your, your childhood and how you were raised and then think about how do you want your kids to be able to have those experiences and what experiences you want to focus on. So that's the first thing is faith. The second thing I think, and this is, I think one of the most important things anyone can do for their kids is to teach them to problem solve and to teach them to critically think. Because we are unfortunately being raised as a generation of Autobots, of people that just parrot what the latest catchphrase is or donate to the latest catchphrase. And then you see five, six, seven years later, how just though that catchphrase was literally a complete fabrication or a complete side thing Mm -hmm. to just get you distracted from what's really going on behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you can train your kids to critically think, and again, critically thinking means they're not going to always agree with you, but answering the why or ask, having them ask the why of like, okay, so we did this. Why did you think of that? Why did we do that? You know, what are your thoughts about that? Mm -hmm. So obviously our kids are young, so that we're not having a lot of those conversations, but we are definitely thinking that direction Mm -hmm. and understanding that. And I think the third thing too, with that too, would be a culture of learning because, you know, really the job of a parent, the job of a teacher is to teach the kids the basics. To me, it's the writing, reading, arithmetic, get them to two plus two and, you know, some multiplication and how to read a book and then just step back Mm. or to put questions in their mind of things they may want to discover further. Well, you know, why does water freeze? All right, well, go research that, go figure that one out. Mm-hmm. And let's do some experiments around that. Try to you know learn about that. So that to me is the other thing is create that culture of, of curiosity, inquisitiveness and learning because if they will learn, I mean, that's, that's exactly how my parents did it. On one aspect, I felt like they were a little heavy handed with some of the, the math and stuff. Cause like I took algebra. <laughs> I don't know much algebra. It was just one of those things. I was forced to learn it. So I had to learn it to take the test. And literally I have to Google things now. Uh, so it didn't, didn't do a lot of work. But the one thing they did do is they gave us a lot of electives. So they allowed us to do some electives in our shop or learn about different things. And like the last year of schooling, I only was in the classroom 50% because I was running my business, the other 50%. And so that aspect of learning of teaching us how to learn and teach us to ask questions became incredibly important and obviously guides who we are, what we do now. You know, all of our siblings are inquisitive. We're always asking questions. We're always, you know, we're the ones lagging behind on the tours because we actually want to stay and see, okay, so well, how do they do that? Um, And I think that is actually one of the best questions you can ask because when you understand the why behind and the how behind things, a lot of times you can solve other problems in other industries because there's only so, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Oh, that's so good. That's the method of learning that actually works to teach kids to actually search their own answers. Excellent. Yeah. I guess the last thing I would say about this 
is I would want to teach our kids to be kind and to have empathy. You know, that's something that I'm triple A personality, super driven. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing I would say that is a weakness of mine is I don't have the empathy. I don't have the, uh, yes, I can say, Hey, I'm sorry that happened to you, but I score very, very low on that when it comes to personality tests. And I I know that's a weakness. I know that hurts me in certain situations. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I want to try to instill in them is to try to look at things from others' points of view. Oh, yes. We had a thing that happened yesterday and I was a little frustrated about it um, with some of our team. And then I started to think about, okay, well, let's look at it from their point of view. And I was like, okay, you know, when I understand that, when I start to think through that, then it makes a, it pulls a lot more into perspective and I'm willing to move on with it. We're not going to make it an issue because it was, it was something that in their point of view, this is exactly what they should have done. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's, that's all I would add. Mm -hmm. And it's so good to understand our kids' point of view because they have responses that are feelings inside. And if they're understood, it helps them grow toward kindness. Yeah. And and that's something I feel like I try to do. And sometimes I don't, but sometimes um, I have to say, hey, to my wife, hey, this is how I think they're thinking. And this is why I feel like they did that. So no, they weren't trying to mess the kitchen up. They got really excited about the pokeberries and they were trying to make ink out of them or the, I think it was the elderberries. So uh-huh. to them, they just completely got lost in their little world of, oh my gosh, let's make some ink. They didn't try to make the kitchen a disaster. Now, granted, right. they should clean up after their own mess yeah. and you know, be reminded that you just don't jump into mommy's cupboards, but it wasn't like intentionally, they were like trying to make the kitchen a mess. Right. Right. Yeah. So do you incorporate your faith and gospel? You've kind of answered this a little bit, but are you able to incorporate that easily when you communicate with your kids? Yeah. I mean, for us, I think it's communicating when we are learning about different things, like, you know, what's the Christian worldview on that? Mm-hmm. Talking about other people and situations. Okay. So, you know, what would the Christian worldview be about that? Mm-hmm. How can we do unto others as you want them to do unto us? So they understand, you know, when they do wrong, that's, you know, not, not good. And that's, I'd say that we we do. I'd say we're not always consistent about it as I'd like to be, mm-hmm. um, but really it is hard. definitely something that's you know on the radar, and we're we're having those discussions. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite part about the gospel is the forgiveness aspect, and when we can bring that to our children, I think that forgiveness is just I don't know. It just is heart changing, and mm-hmm. that's what I always tried to do is incorporate that eventually after the, you know, after you dealt with the issue. Yeah. So what do you think as a father, what are your unique roles? What, what makes you unique as a father, as opposed to either a mother or other fathers? How do you see yourself? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing it comes across is that I'm incredibly entrepreneurial wired. And so to me, one of my things I would love for my kids to understand is the principles of marketing and just how to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we already have Simon's five and Charlotte's seven, and they already have had multiple um, money-making enterprises. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Simon's like, hey, I want to buy, he just got the <laughs> the Amazon gift guide showed up two days ago and he's been obsessed. 
And so his thing was like, okay, how do I make money? Well, let's sit down. Let's have that conversation. If you're an entrepreneur, you can make money anywhere doing anything and can problem solve um, because that's what you're doing as an entrepreneur is just solving problems for people. So that to me is, I think, one of the unique aspects of me. I, I think the other aspect is going back to just trying to look at it from their point of view. I mean, I remember as a kid growing up and there were some things that I wish had been a little bit different. And so thinking through that, that's kind of the things I, I try to make sure that we do do as, as families. Like the kids want to go do something and like, we're busy. I mean, we've got the two businesses. I'm on city council. They're obviously the three kids and time is at a premium. So just before I came in, Simon wanted me to jump on the trampoline with him. And I was like, but he can't jump right now because I have to go do a podcast. Uh -huh. um, but I said, let's, what are we going to do tonight? And so we talked about, you know, what happened last night, you know, what, what were we planning on doing tonight? So we do try to have a couple hours with them every single night. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the reasons we did make the changes in our business. For a while there, I was doing a lot of consulting. So I was on the road at least once a month, if not more than once a month. So I actually on my phone had a reminder to uh, call the kids every night at 650. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've left that on there just as a reminder of what life was like and now what life is like. And so the fact that I am home, but also a reminder of that, even though I am home to make sure that I do have time with them. Mm -hmm. So that I think is, is unique. I mean, the, the, the unique fact is I do work from home, so I'm around a lot with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also is, they see me a lot and they can't access me sometimes because I am in a podcast or I am doing training or something like that. So there is that friction aspect of that. But the other thing is sometimes kids can come with me. So this summer we did a delivery route for the farm. And so Simon literally was there every week with me, driving with me, helping unload, helping me do things. Part of that too was helping them understand the, the value of hard work and um, the reward of work. And so at the end of that, we, you know, we get a cookie. So it was that aspect of, you know, um, yes, there's certain things in life, which, you know, we're going to give you three meals a day, that kind of stuff. We're not going to take that away, but there are always those above and beyond that, which can be earned for either, you know, you're working on the farm a little bit or you're helping daddy. And then we earn some rewards based on that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting to look at our different kids like Charlotte. I mean, again, this is a fixed point in time. So this could obviously change. Charlotte right now is a helper. She wants to help. She's in charge. She's a firstborn. She wants to mm. do things, but she also is not really a good sharer. She does not want to share her stuff. She wants, you know, it's her stuff. She's keeping it. That's the thing. Simon's almost a complete opposite. And the fact that he would rather sit there in the sun while we're picking apples because it's, you know, he's cold than be helping with apple picking or he, you know, he's doesn't want his one job a day is to take the compost out. And that's always a struggle to get him to do that. But he's a huge sharer. So, I mean, like he'll get a cupcake and he'll want to split it in four pieces. Aww. So all three, all four of us can have a little piece. Oh, that's um, sweet. So that's just a different, I mean, he's got a very tender heart too, which is great, but you know, that's just, every kid's going to be a little bit unique. And so yeah. with the kids, then we obviously want to try to balance them. You know, obviously it's great that Charlotte wants to work hard, but the fact that she's not willing to share is not great. So how do we think through that? How do we help guide them to try to work on those, those challenges mm -hmm. while not also stifling them? Right. Because right. obviously, you know, we don't want to force them to share because that's socialism. Right. <laughs> Um, Good point. <laughs> um, we don't want to force Simon to work all the time because then it won't become drudgery. So we just want to encourage him to learn what it means to just have a, have a, be happy to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so how well, do you, you do know, that? 
Um, I think with, with them too, sometimes it's just micro lies, the reward. And so like, okay, so, you know, if you do this little bit, we get this reward, we do a little bit more. So trying to train mm -hmm. that way, mm -hmm. you know, some things like, Hey, you know, when we do this, then we can do, do this. Um, mm -hmm. so try to do that. And I think just talk about their impact too. So if they're doing a task because they don't understand why or don't understand how it affects anything, I think trying to add that behind it again, they're right. young minds, so you can't go too deep, but you tr try to do what you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's good. That sounds Again, great. You know, the reason there's a million parenting books out there is because there's millions of kids and every kid's going to be a little different. Yes. And uh, I mean, we'll see, you know, in a dozen years, if what we're thinking we're doing is actually working. And I don't, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Um, but you're, you're following what you think is right at the moment. And that's, that's excellent. I, yeah. I think those are really good. Let me affirm you in that. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on parenting sons versus daughters? That's kind of a hard question. Because you already talked about different kids certainly need to be parented differently. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing would be that, you know, a lot of people try to think that the, they're the same and you should just treat them the same. And that is completely hogwash. Uh, they're different. Now, granted, if Simon gets dressed up in a tutu with ribbons in his hair and makeup, I can't freak out because he's just doing what his sister's doing. And right. this completely 100% fine. I mean, I know parents that, you know, I've heard stories that just completely flipped out and got all mm -hmm. upset. No, it's a phase. It will pass. Um, right. You know, right. when, when I was little, there was times I was dressing up like that. And, um, but I, <laughs> I figured it out eventually. So, I mean, that aspect too, is letting that happen and just letting good play happen and realize that's mm -hmm. going to happen. But also realize that, you know, Simon is 100% a boy. He wants to wrestle every single night. Mm -hmm. He wants to make himself little Varaband guns mm -hmm. um, and, you know, tractors and, and cars and take things apart. That's, that's totally him. Charlotte's a girly girl. She wants to wear tutus and get dressed up and wear makeup and go to ballet. And again, that's fine. We're going to encourage that. We're going to do that. I mean, I think, you know, boys sometimes can need a little bit more firmness with them. So they need a little bit, a little bit different, but I think that also can be overdone too. I think sometimes if you just try to do almost too firm, you can almost build a, a almost a little bit of a, a callus in them. And I don't want that either. So you want to keep right. them sensitive. So, I mean, like we let them cry. If like he hurts himself, I don't say, well, boys are tough. That's, oh. we just don't say that. We say, oh, I'm so sorry that hurt. Let's rub mm -hmm. it out. Let's get you back on, on the swing in a little bit. So we try mm -hmm. to, you know, either both of them try to do that. And the same thing with Charlotte, bugs and worms and all that. We just encourage them to have fun with it. I mean, touch mm -hmm. the fish that we're fishing. I mean, if they're, they're a little creeped out, but that's fine. We don't treat them specifically different either. We recognize the differences, but mm -hmm. we're not going to be like, oh, you're a girl. You shouldn't be doing that. We just, we just encourage them to be kids and, um, you know, respect others, others and how they want to do things. I love that, Michael. I absolutely love that approach. I am hundred percent in agreement with that as far as boys and girls. And we had a daughter who did not want to wear a skirt. She just did not want to wear a skirt. And yeah. We had one that wore skirts all the time, didn't want to wear pants, and they all, they both turned out great. So we'll stop there. And don't you just love getting all the different perspectives from throughout the country on parenting? Michael will be back next week, and he will continue to share on his perspective of parenting. So be sure to come back, subscribe if you haven't already, and also check out the show notes because I've added links to his websites and you can get to know him better. I wish we lived close to the Kilpatricks because I would love to subscribe to their vegetable boxes that have 
vegetables that are pesticide, herbicide, and fungicide-free. So come back next week to hear more from Michael. Thanks for listening, and remember to rest in the Lord this week. <music>